0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode in our gambling podcast. And this one will be focused on discussing how we got here a history of gambling in the US. My name is Medesla Alani, and today I am joined by. Hey,
1: everyone. Khalil.
0: I'm Cameron. I am Eva. When holding conversations dedicated to harm minimization and raising awareness about current gambling practices among young adults, it's important to look at the history of criminalization of gambling and its origin in the United States. Today, we'll be diving into sections, numbers in gambling, gambling in the U.S., modern gambling, and within each of these sections, we'll take a deep dive and consider how we got to where we are today. So what are some questions we're trying to answer today? Um, One big question for me is how the American gambling system was formed.
2: For me, I was wondering who was impacted most heavily by its criminalization, and also why did the government legalize the game in the first place? Also, I'm interested in what the difference between numbers, policy, and state lottery games are.
1: Those are very interesting questions, guys. Personally, um, I'm sort of interested in understanding the historical impact um, and, and, you know, people still struggling with gambling disorders. That's something that I I want to try and find an answer to today.
0: Yeah, I think all of those are amazing questions. Our podcast will be U.S. focused, analyzing gambling history in the Philadelphia community and how the game have evolved over time. Numbers words over
1: your life. Was like black people's Wall Street. That was that was where the money was. The whole hustling spectrum was different then. You know, it's not like it is now, where everything is It's every man for himself. Now, back then, it was a more organized situation. You had
3: that was Bobby Miles and James Jones, former Harlem's numbers men, describing the game numbers, which emerged out of Harlem in the nineteen twenties. Do you guys know what numbers is? I've never heard of it before, actually.
0: Yeah, okay. I heard about it, and hearing it in relation to like Black Wall Street, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, I've actually never heard of this before, so I'm intrigued, tell us more.
3: Well, the game numbers allowed the gambler to choose their own number, and the winning numbers of the day were determined by an agreed upon figure that everyone can see, yet nobody can control. It was the more popular game across cities, but there was a different game in Chicago called policy. Either way, numbers and policy games were a form of wealth distribution. While gambling was used for social mobility by many immigrant communica- communities, like the Irish, the Jews, the Italians, the Black community was disproportionately targeted for gambling by the police.
2: The American well. state run lottery is a replication of gambling games in Black urban communities in the earliest 20th century. After the formation of state lotteries in the 1980s, many black gambling operations fought to maintain their autonomy. The numbers game was so special to the community. The state lotteries failed at first because people were so loyal to the game. To quote historian Matthew Vaz, perhaps the key common feature shared by policy and numbers is the ability of betters to choose their own lucky number. In contrast, early state lotteries of the 1960s and 70s offer only raffle style tickets with no possibilities for betters to use their children's birthdays, numbers that appeared on the hymnal in church, or the content of their dreams in picking a lucky number.
0: Um, 516, my anniversary date. This number, 9337, nine, that's Charles' last four digits of his cell phone number. So everything pretty much means something. This nine ten, if you look in dream books, is supposed to play for Gloria. So that's my name.
3: So that's Gloria. And that clip is from 2019 from a video about gambling and the history of gambling and all about state lotteries. But I don't know. I hadn't really thought about how picking your own luck was a thing you could do. I don't know, I guess, because I've only seen gambling in the state lottery form, and so that was completely novel to me.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I have family and friends who play numbers that, like, pop up and come to them in dreams, or, like, they see, like, over and over again. If they catch the same time on the clock too many times, like, they'll play that number. So I was definitely familiar with that concept.
0: Well,
3: According to historian Matthew Vaz, policy and numbers played a central role in the economic and social life of Black communities in the North. Both games spawned vast networks of police and political corruption in their respective cities, and the customers of both games were eventually targeted by state lotteries.
1: That's interesting, but the origin of gambling in the U.S. dates back to the country's foundation. Um, let's, Let's just discuss and take a look at how we got here in the first place, shall we? throughout Europe. Historical accounts even report people in parts of New England partaking in horse racing, gambling, bull baiting. The interesting thing, though, is that indigenous communities practiced some traditional hand games that surprised European settlers because they were very similar to European forms of games of chance. In many Native American tribes, gambling was part of the culture and was often used to trade and share resources. Hundreds of years later, the colonies utilized lotteries to build revenue and raise money. There are actually specific ties to the colonial lottery system and education. Um, That's because lotteries were used to establish and improve tons of universities and secondary schools during the 18th and 19th centuries. But these lotteries were also used to finance hospitals, schools, roads, and entire towns in some cases. So, it's clear that there's a long storied history of various forms of gambling in the US. Um, and as time went on, gambling spread throughout the country and diversified.
0: Yeah, that's all very interesting. I mean, I didn't know how integral gambling and the lottery was for the infrastructure of our country. I mean, universities, schools, hospitals, roads, like that's such a huge part of our country. And learning that, like, the history goes as far back. Um, to like include indigenous communities? Like, wow, I didn't really know that.
1: Yeah. um, And there was a time though, um, known as the Great Awakening, uh, where Christianity swept through the colonies and moral values became a lot more prominent, um, which eventually led to gambling being considered a sin. Um, In October of 1774, the Continental Congress published the Articles of Association which in part denounced gambling throughout the colonies. Public opinion towards gambling began to run sour and many colonies even passed laws prohibiting and regulating gambling.
3: So gambling was widespread before this religious movement.
1: Yeah, gambling was was super widespread before the religious uh, movement. Um, It was only when that religious movement began to take place that people started looking down on gambling um, and so could you be arrested at this point no but would you be looked at you know weirdly if you were partaking in gambling of any form definitely
0: yeah and I actually read that across the country private and public lotteries had many allegations of scandal and fraud that further contributed to gambling's fall from grace by the 1840s Lotteries had been banned in most states, and by 1862, only two states had legal lotteries, Missouri and Kentucky. But the ban didn't last long, as after the Civil War, the country needed funds to pull it out of economic disaster. Following this, French settlers brought table games such as roulette to the Americas, which had a long-lasting impact on gambling culture. During the 19th century, the Mississippi Riverboats emerged as a popular destination for wealthy farmers and businessmen to indulge in various forms of gambling, including sports betting and table games. However, even this was controversial.
1: Yeah, and uh, fast forward to the 1920s, gambling was prohibited along with alcohol across the entire country, with the exception of Nevada. Um, It was shortly after that that a new form of gambling emerged that would change the face of the industry forever, the casino. The legalization of gambling in Nevada in 1931 led to the rise of Las Vegas as the gambling capital of the world. And casinos offered a variety of games from slot machines to blackjack and became a destination for tourists around the world.
0: Over the next few decades, the gambling industry continued to expand, with new casinos opening up in other states like New Jersey and Mississippi. The rise of the internet in the 1990s led to a new era of online gambling, allowing people to play their favorite games from the comfort of their own homes. Online gambling is something we'll come back to.
1: Yeah, I think this is also interesting, guys. Um, That briefly covers the history of gambling in the U.S., and um today is such a normal, integrated part of our, of our culture. Um, though it's seen in like a very, very negative light. When you guys think about a symbol of modern gambling, what do you typically think about? I think about slot machines. Right, slot machines are arguably the most notable form of gambling today. Um, but how did this come to be true?
2: So the first slot machine was invented in 1891 by Sittman and Pitt in Brooklyn, New York. The machine was a precursor to the modern slot machine consisting of only five drums with 50 card faces. Players would insert a nickel and pull a lever to spin the drums with payouts for matching poker hands. However, there was no direct payout mechanism and said winnings were often given out in the form of free drinks or cigars. In 1895, Charles Fay, a mechanic from San Francisco, created the first modern slot machine, called the Liberty Bell. The machine had three reels with five symbols, including horseshoes, diamonds, spades, hearts, and a Liberty Bell. Fay's machine was the first to feature an automatic payout mechanism, which made it easier to receive winnings.
3: During the early 1900s, slot machines were seen as a form of entertainment rather than gambling. And many were located in candy stores, saloons, and other public places. However, with the rise of anti-gambling sentiment in the early 20th century, many states began to ban slot machines. To get around these laws, manufacturers began creating modified versions of machines that dispensed candy instead of cash. These machines were dubbed fruit machines in the UK, as the symbols were reels of fruits like cherries and candies and lemons.
1: Yeah, and in the 1960s, the first electromechanical slot machine was actually created, which used a combination of electronic components and mechanical parts. These machines allowed for more complex game features, such as multiple pay lines and bonus rounds. The 1990s saw the rise of video slot machines, which used computer graphics and video displays instead of physical reels. These machines allowed for even more complex game features and became incredibly popular in casinos. Today, video slots are the most popular type of slot machine in use, with many incorporating touchscreens and other interactive elements.
3: Now, let's talk about the state lottery system. The Pennsylvania State Lottery was established in 1972, during a period where there were many states legalizing gambling. This was a dramatic change. We're going from governments investing in cracking down on illegal gambling, such as the games played in Philly and Harlem, to the government setting up their own gambling system to raise revenues without imposing additional taxes. I mean, that was the point of the lottery. The state government wanted to make money from gambling, rebranding urban gamblers as customers instead of criminals.
1: State lotteries have one objective. And that objective is to bring in as much revenue as they possibly can to state governments. And they
0: can do this two ways. The first way is to get the existing player to lose even more money. And the second way is to go out and take a person who hasn't
1: played a lottery at all and to bring them in and to turn them into a regular frequent lottery player.
3: So we've talked about Nevada and how Las Vegas, Las Vegas is the gambling capital of the world, right? Well, Pennsylvania has the second largest state gambling market, and the government is still profiting off the system. In Pennsylvania, the state's gambling tax is 55%. For context, Nevada, the leading state for gambling, has a tax rate of 6.75%. The Philadelphia and Pennsylvania governments divide taxes from gambling and earn more money from Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware combined in 2011. So what I think is really interesting
2: is that these taxes on gambling are a beneficial source of revenue for the government. Yet the 2004 laws passed to legalize casino gambling in Philly were done without a public vote. What's more, the casino in Philadelphia are placed closer to residents than any other casino in the United States. And recent research has shown that living closer to a gambling venue, like a casino, increases the chances of being a frequent
0: gambler. During the mid-1990s, modern gambling emerged with new internet gambling, including online casinos and sports betting. In online casinos, games consisted of jackpots, themed slot machines, and even had multiplayer games. While these might seem pretty simple compared to what we have today, considering how new this technology was made it really impressive. This initial growth sparked competition between other gambling sites. This led to greater innovation in technology and a larger variety of games offered, However, people at this time were still skeptical about online gambling, questioning how trustful it was. Since then, online sports betting ensued shortly after because of popularity. Live betting became available in 2002, and sports betting shortly became as competitive as online casinos. Because of this competition, betting sites began to offer cashback bonuses.
1: Yeah, but sports betting is not legal in all states. Around 20% of states have not legalized it, actually. In 2018, the Supreme Court made a ruling in favor of sports betting and struck down the 1992 federal law against it. In response, many states like Connecticut, Mississippi, and even Pennsylvania have legalized sports betting. In Philadelphia, the proliferation of sports betting began in 2018 after the Supreme Court decision and mobile wagering in 2019. Sugar House Casino in Fishtown was the first place in Philly to offer sports betting since its legalization. There were a lot of public desires for this because of its convenience. For sports bettors, they don't even have to go across state lines to do it anymore, which is great for them.
0: Yeah. Today, some of the most common forms of gambling, especially within college aid students, is sports betting. Apps like FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, and many others have recently upped their advertising and offer many different incentives to attract new users. Many of their advertisements, which occur during commercial breaks during televised sports games, offer cash bonuses for first-time bets, cashback offers, and use marketing techniques to challenge your knowledge on the sport. This works to target an audience of sport fans and provides an accessible and alluring way to gamble through mobile apps.
1: Wow, guys, that was so much information. I feel like we just learned so much. It was also interesting, too.
2: I totally agree. I feel like now I finally have a really good foundation on gambling in the U.S. And also, I think it'll help us understand how gambling affects young adults in Philly today.
0: I'm so glad to hear that everyone found the information we learned today interesting. That will conclude today's episode, and we thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you have learned something about the history of gambling in the U.S. Once again, thank you for joining us.